On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. This is Tall Can Audio, Canada's number one craft beer-fueled sports show. From the TCA studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada, here's your host, Matt Robinson. Ah, uh, nuts. I mean, um, ah, uh, nuts. And Michaela Schreider. Woohoo! Beer, 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 beer. Off and running again on an all-new episode of the Tall Can Audio Podcast on a day, one of those fun days where we live a shared existence. Everybody's kind of got the same thing going on, and I think today, maybe we're all dragging our asses just a little bit after last night's shared experience of, of being up late together as a nation. Uh, happy to be uh, having a show today with our pal, Michaela Schreider, and I'm happy that she's going to be happy. How are you doing today, Schreider? I am so happy and yet so tired but so happy at the same time that's that's about as um coherent a sentence as i can string together at this point but i'm just very happy you know what i'm happy most about Hmm. i don't have to be in a bad mood for the next four years (laughs) that game really does set my tone between now and the olympics she says that but we got a world championship coming up again it'll be oh, yeah, it won't be four it. years yeah like we'll find something <laughs> to annoy michaela with <laughs> very true but no you're right we're all a little tired but we're all a little happy very happy yeah and that, i think is is worth it uh we're on twitter and instagram at talk and audio give us a follow there and um make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening right now michaela is on social media at Shrides, S-C-H-R-E-I-D-S. Uh, she's got uh, a great show coming up for you across the TSN radio network this Friday, I ha- or this weekend. Uh, I'm sure we, we know at least a little bit of what's going to be discussed there, but she's got game on the TSN radio network. Make sure you keep an eye out for that as well. Michaela, I know, given the time that we're recording right now, you are unable to partake. You've still got a little work to do. you got a little bit of a commute. I have no such commute. I have no such conflict. So I will be partaking as per usual on the show today. And I'm staring at a beer can here and I'm not really sure what the story is here, but I'm pretty sure this is a naked guy on it and uh, he might be wearing a Speedo. There's a backstory to it. This is called the Hanlon's Point Coconut Coffee Porter. Um, and I guess there's a big bit of a backstory. You can look it up for yourselves. I won't tell the whole thing here, but I guess uh, it's supposed to be a guy who showed up looking to travel, forgot his passport, uh, and so just headed to the closest point he could find, which I guess is Hanlon's Point in Toronto, and uh, yeah, just set up shop with his Speedo and lawn chair and his sandals here and, and a beer. So in honor of the weather that is rolling into our region right now, I guess we'll go with the, the Speedo guy, Porter. And what brewery is that from? 
It's the uh, Great Lakes Brewery. Great Lakes. Yeah. yeah, they always have good graphics on the front. Mm-hmm. And the coconut. Of course, the coconut of is involved. Of course, the coconut. And uh, this is thick. It's it's very dark. Um, like They call it midnight black. Uh, a little creamy. I don't know. There's a lot going on here. Uh, it's 6.5%. So this is going to treat me just right for for the day after the thing. And so I don't want to make you wait like we did last time. Shrides, the floor is yours. What did you make of last night's hockey game? <sighs> I'm just so happy. You know, it doesn't matter what the score is midway through the game. Canada could be up like 7 nothing, and I'm going to be nervous. And at one point, but, it looked like they might be. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, you know, they, they got off to a pretty hot start. We saw Natalie Spooner score right off the hop. Of course, it was called back. Mm-hmm. But then shortly after, Sarah Nurse very quickly scored and and just like that it was one nothing um who else but marie philip poulin comes in <laughs> scores two goals uh be absolutely beautiful goals especially the second one and canada sitting at a three nothing lead for like a good chunk of this game and i remember thinking like is this the calmest i've ever been during a, a olympic gold medal just game? gonna ride this home is it gonna be this easy and and it was not no. of course and, and i was not calm for for the record like a, you know quote unquote calm is like not having an aneurysm <laughs> and and all that is to say i gave myself a headache from celebrating on the natalie spooner goal which by the way again got called back right. and i still have that headache today so i may have done some irreparable damage <laughs> <laughs> to my brain um but you know it was it was fairly i always had a good feeling about it even before the game i just there's something about this team and you know we've we've heard people say this is the best canadian team that the women's program has ever iced. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something to that. And and really, as cl- even as close as it got, you know, Hillary Knight scored to make it 3-1 because, of course, it was Hillary Knight. Yes. And then, you know, right before, the U.S. did score to make it 3-2. But that, like, with 12 seconds left, I'm not going to lie, I wasn't that nervous. Right. It was the onslaught in about the last five minutes of the third period that I was just, like inconsolable and i was i was curled up in the fetal position on my couch like just absolutely <laughs> rigid and that was the worst part of the game for me marie philippe took a penalty with about 125 to go in the game i think and yep. that 125 was the longest right minute and 25 seconds of my life but what even after the u.s scored there was 12.5 seconds left mm-hmm. and i was like as 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 pessimistic as i can be even I knew at that point the chances of them getting in into Canada's zone and generating a scoring a, chan- a scoring chance powerful enough to actually score, right? Solo, and I felt fine. And then of course, like I was not relaxed until the final buzzer went and and we got to celebrate. But like I I just had a good feeling about it this whole game, which is not something I typically have. Well, the whole thing about the Poulin one, right? Is yeah, she's in the box and they score with twelve seconds left. And I'm like, not only, okay, is the power play over, but she's going to come out and take the draw. So even there, you get that. Yeah. And she had been at like 70% all night or something. And um, you're like, oh, we're going to be fine here, right? Um, now, I will say, as I bring my my leafdom into this, I thought there was a portion in the third period, especially early in the third, where Canada sort of stopped skating and the Americans were coming in waves. And it's not uncommon, right? You see that with score effects all the time. The team who is leading is going to have a hard time 
you know, they, they want to guide this home. They want to defend. The other team's desperate. They're going to come at you. And there was a sizable portion for me in the third period where the Americans carried the play. And I have seen that movie too many times as a guy <laughs> who watches a lot of games with the team with a leaf on its chest. And I was sitting like, let's not do this, please. Like, and, and so at, when they did make it 3-2 with 12 seconds left, I wasn't quite as like, yep, okay, here it comes. But no, I, this is a much better team with a leaf on its <laughs> chest. It has a much better reputation uh, and a much better ability to guide things home. But it, the third period for me was dicey, right? Just yeah. in the way that um, – and it, it, it was always going to be, right? It, this game with these two teams – is never going to be easy all the way to the finish. But yeah, for the first two periods, like even after Knight scored shorthanded, I wasn't really all that. It just to me, it didn't look like the Americans, at least yesterday, it didn't look like they had an answer for this team, right? Like it was more intimidating in the round robin game when they outshot us so badly and, and carried the play for much of it. As you said, a lot of people talk about this being the best team Canada ever put together. It looked like it in that gold medal game. It just didn't look like the Americans could skate with with Canada and and certainly not with how much the Americans shortened their bench, right? At some point, you're going to wear those players down and and they were hardly using their bottom two pairs and, and their bottom two lines. Yeah, there's a lot of criticism of the American coaching staff for some of their decisions, in particular, not playing Jensi Dunn at, at all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, their power play struggled throughout before the tournament even started. Their power play was a huge issue. And it's kind of perfectly matched because Canada also had an issue with discipline right. throughout this tournament and before it. And, you know, the fact that Canada only I think they took three penalties and that is not bad for Team Canada. Right. Um, but, you know, the, the Americans just they I don't want to say they shot themselves in in the foot but I I don't think that they give gave themselves the best chance they could to beat this team and add to that the fact that this was they were going up against the the best Canadian team we've ever seen Mm -hmm. it didn't help that they lost Brianna Decker right at the beginning of the tournament that was a huge loss for them but I also just think that there were some poor decisions made up top there were some poor decisions made with the construction of this team and some poor decisions made with with you know the in-game decisions of ice time and, and line combinations that it just felt like yeah that you know they would have an onslaught of offense but Canada did a really good job aside from the odd chance mm-hmm. Canada did a really good job at keeping them to the outside any shots that did get through it felt like Anne Renee Debian saw from a mile away were you and, nervous because I didn't think she had a great semifinal. Uh, or was it the quarter? No, it was the semi where she didn't look quite so solid. Uh, where it was 10-3? Yeah. And I, I mean, I get about okay, that. But you kind of make me look stupid when you throw the score at her or whatever. But to me, <laughs> no, she but three didn't, goals. Yeah. She, three goals against Switzerland is not great. Right. I, I wasn't like, oh my God, we're in so much trouble. But I was like, hmm, I would have liked to have seen that go a little bit better. Right? Like... I think that game in particular, and admittedly, I went too bad uh, partway through it because <laughs> okay. it was, I think it was like 6 1, and, and it was after the Super Bowl, and I needed to go to bed. Right. Um, but uh, I, I think that was one of those games where, like, like, she wasn't exactly being peppered all game. No. She wasn't super, you know, warmed up. She wasn't uh, super ready to go. And then, like, any chance that gets through, it is going to kind of catch you off guard, right? When so much of the play is is being um, is, is taking place in the other team's end. Yep. As a goalie, it's really hard not to kind of fall out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we saw her in the preliminary round. She tends to be really, really at her best when she's being peppered. Right. And and that 
that didn't happen in that Switzerland game. And, you know, they had 13 shots <laughs> in the whole game. So I, I just like, I, I don't think that that was her at her best. I, I had a feeling that she is much better when playing a team like Team USA, who's going to keep her in the very, game. very busy. Yes. <laughs> and they did. They got 41 shots on net. And it, 40 shots on net, I believe, to Canada's 21. So, like, I, I felt like she was really in her element in this game. She got a few big saves right off the bat that yep. the post came in handy. Oh, my God. A <laughs> couple times, for yeah. Team Canada. Um, that first one really, goes in, it's a different game, right? Exactly. You're chasing like it. That, everybody's that confidence completely shifts. Completely different tone. Yeah. Uh, so so I, I was really happy with Anne Rene Debian's game. Let's talk about Marie-Philippe Poulain. Because I'm someone who tends to shy away from the idea of this player is so clutch, right? Great players score often. And so it shouldn't really be that surprising to us when they score late in big games, right? If if they're on pace to score every, uh, just for whatever, 17 minutes of play or whatever it might be as a great player, sometimes that's going to come up late. So I tend to shy away from that narrative. But when you score seven goals in four gold medal games, there might be something to the idea that this player is clutch, that this player shows up at all the right times. She has become the first player in Olympic history, men's or women's, to score in four gold medal games. And as I said, it's not just one here and a fluke there. She's piling them up in gold medal games. Um, I thought the first one, I mean, good honor for putting it on goal, but it was a pretty questionable one for the Americans to allow. The second one was fantastic. Uh, they both count. Um, what did you make of of her game? Oh, gee, that that first goal. Well, yeah, it was it was a it was an absolute snipe. But like when when a goalie sees it from that far out, yeah, you should probably have that. Yep. But what I loved about that goal was it was all Murray Philip Poulin. The Americans were about to break out of their zone. She sneaks up behind them, takes the puck, yep. literally like Mark Stone style, um, lifts the stick, takes the puck, and then goes right to the center. And before the goalie even knew what was happening, it was in the back of the yep. net. So I think the element of surprise was a big thing there. And then, yeah, the second goal, like complete bad angle, great drive by Canada, but like she was almost at the goal line by the right. time she got that shot off and it, and it found its way in. And yeah, you, you're right. Like, like good goal scorers are going to score often. Right. That's the the nature of being a good goal scorer. So like your, your chances of having those big moment goals are just higher. But at this point, yeah. It's like, how do you argue it? Right. Right? Like, seven goals. Seven out of ten. Canada's only scored ten goals in the last four gold medal games in the Olympics, and seven of them <laughs> have come from Marie-Philippe Poulin. That's a 70% rating. <laughs> That's a really good mark on a test, and I wasn't what a great a bad team. teammate. How about you pass it now and then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. And, like, it, it just seems like, you know, obviously the, the three games that Canada won out of those four – game-winning goal was from Marie Philippe Poulin. Mm -hmm. And when you when it that's not to mention the number of game-winning goals she had in the World Championships like last year yep. in the rivalry series. You know, during her time with the CWHL when she was with Le Canadien, she was very much known for that um that game-winning goal, those clutch goals, and it just it seems like she has a knack for scoring when when she needs to. And it's at this point like it's it's almost comical how unbelievable she is when this team needs her to be 
and you ask her about it and she she talks about her teammates know, and how right? this is all down to her teammates which is just hilarious <laughs> but I, I mean like at this point and and i'm like this is coming from someone who is a diehard uh Haley wickenheiser fan i literally have a tattoo on my body of Haley wickenheiser's number <laughs> i think it's it's indisputable now that murray philip poulain is the greatest of all time like we can't wow, we can't argue yeah, it anymore yeah. she is the greatest the hockey player it's, to ever it's play because for this country. Wick works for the Leafs now, isn't it? You're bailing on her. I mean, it did hurt. It's interesting. We did see um, it's uh, it, it was Poulain who's now tied Wickenheiser, I believe, in all time Olympic points. But we saw somebody move. It wasn't all time. It was one time Olympic points. Points in one Olympics. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah Nurse passed her. Um, Eighteen points in these Olympics incredible tournament she's the one who did end up getting canada on the board as he said there was one from spooner called back it wasn't more than two minutes later um before nurse buried it that one's going to count and uh canada's off and running what did you see in her game and and throughout the olympics and the gold medal game in general yeah sarah Sarah nurse is someone we don't talk about often enough but she is just so unbelievably good and you know it's not every day that you can say you broke a record set by Haley wickenheiser Um, but she did. And the, the, the fact that I, I feel guilty about not talking about Sarah nurse more before, I guess, but like, she's been on this team for a while. She's been a part of, of, uh, the hockey Canada's program. She's been in the Olympics before she's been a a, a huge player on this team for a long time. And we often, you know, she kind of flies under the the radar for whatever reason, because she's not Marie Philippe Poulin. Right. Mm -hmm. And she is, quietly and I don't want to say quietly because it's not like she's doing anything it's just that we're not paying enough attention to her but (laughs) quietly one of the best players on this team and now we know that now that's like indisputable and we can't we 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 have to talk about it because she broke a record set by Haley freaking Wickenheiser man (laughs) and she's just she's so unbelievably good And, and what I love about her is she's also one of the funniest players on the team and the and the most dynamic and she's got the most personality and i think that's exactly what this team needs to keep itself loose keep itself having fun and also to to market itself to to younger fans right and sarah nurse is so much so much in that area but she's such a smooth skater she's got such great chemistry with her teammates and uh you know she's she's got a terrific shot when she when she has a look she's gonna score and and we saw that in this tournament. Well, and it's probably worth mentioning, right? Um, comes from quite an athletic family um, with uh, with Darnell Nurse on the Oilers and Kia Nurse as a member of the uh, the Canadian women's basketball team. And you know, it doesn't hurt to see a woman who just set an Olympic record for points in a tournament be a black woman, right? She was the only mm-hmm. black woman at the tournament. If we're looking to, you know, the whole you can see it, you can be it thing, if, if this is going to be one of those moments, if there's going to be another thing that gets girls interested in hockey, it's a whole, it, she wasn't just a player, and I, I would never minimize anyone, if you made an Olympic team, you're a pretty good player, but yeah. even on the Olympic team, there are players who have bigger roles than others, and here's a black woman who led the tournament in scoring and set an all-time record, can't hurt. No, no, exactly. And, and, you know, she's the first black woman to win an Olympic gold medal in hockey, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, She's got a Barbie modeled (laughs) after her and Natalie Spooner, which is so awesome. And she's also one of the most, I don't know if she just has the most sponsorships, but I feel like I saw her on every single commercial during these Olympics, which I also think is amazing because first of all, these women got to make money. Mm -hmm. They do not get paid enough for what they do and girl, go make money however you can. 
but also the more that people see her not just on the ice but in commercials the more recognizable they're going to be like you know the the Wheaties box when we were a kid (laughs) was a big thing and this is similar to that right you want to market your athletes and Sarah Nurse does a really good job of that Um, so I want to see more of that I want to see Marie Philippe Poulin more often I want to see Natalie Spooner more often but it it is great that that Sarah Nurse is kind of front and center that way And, and yeah it's not lost on anybody the fact that hockey's a predominantly white sport and to have her have the success that she she's had you know with this team and in this tournament and to be the first black woman to do so Mm -hmm. i think is it makes it all the more important right it's not just about young girls watching this at home it's about young black girls watching this at home and knowing that they can do this and it's about everyone regardless of their race seeing this and and knowing that there is space for everybody in hockey because that doesn't always feel like the case um Thank you, NHL. And I, th- I think it's very important for everybody to see that kind of representation um, of, of in, especially in a sport that just predominantly has had a huge issue with diversity. Who else stood out to you last night? Who did you think had a, a big game that we haven't touched on yet? I, despite the fact that her goal got called back, Natalie Spooner, uh, first of all, had a great tournament. Yeah. And also, I, I feel like she had a really great game because she loves getting under the skin of Team USA. Someone compared her, and I, I hate to make these comparisons between like female players and, and male players because they are their own player and like mm-hmm. let's let them be. But someone kind of made the comparison of her to Brady Kachuk. And I liked that because she's, sure she's a big body. <laughs> yeah. she's a, she, her office is in front of the net. Um, she knows how to get under the skin of her opponents and she has a friggin' blast doing it. And you just know she does. And I love that. And she's, she's such a power forward by definition. Like she's got that big, powerful stride. And when she's coming down the wing, like she instills fear in every goalie that, (laughs) that she comes in contact with. And, and she had a few good breaks yesterday. She had a few good drives that may not have resulted in a goal directly, but got Canada in a position where a they weren't sitting back and b they were they were on a bit of an offensive push in team USA's end which we didn't see a ton of right um and and I think she she had a fantastic tournament Brianne Jenner as well who had act, took home MVP yeah um, bad, I eh? believe she led the tournament I, I haven't checked this morning but I believe she led the tournament in overall goals right um I think that's n- right. not points but I know yeah. she was ahead in goals at one point um and she's someone who like she's she's such a leader on this team and she's been a staple on this team for a while and while you know she's not Marie Philippe Poulin she's been right there with Marie Philippe Poulin since day 1 um and has really kind of moved into a great leadership position on this team um and she moved to uh, to the wing for Poulin didn't she i believe so they could play together i think yeah. at one point they were saying on the broadcast she was the center and and moved yeah yeah so they and they've been line mates for a while they've been teammates for a while and, and you can really sense their chemistry mm-hmm. um so i i think she just every time she's on the ice obviously murray philippine is out there as well so you just have this sense of like ease with them sure. right you know you're you know you're in good hands um there's so many other players uh, for me i'll tell you the one that i that caught my eye because early on in the first couple of minutes before canada started to push and sort of take over the game it did look like we might be in for a bit of a repeat of the round robin game in the sense that it felt a little like the Canadian D was having trouble with the American forecheck. And um, the Americans are a little bigger, a little more physical. And the, we've talked about it the last time you were on. The Canadians had gone with this kind of more skill and speed defense. And I thought they started to to 
get away from that or the Canadians started to break that a little bit better. They started to move their, their feet a little bit better. And to me, the one that stood out the most was Aaron Ambrose. And I thought she had a, a great tournament. She was also the one with that up and out that uh, led to the second Poulain goal. I, there was just times where it seemed like she was keeping it in at the point quite a bit. She was one of the, the players always back to break the puck out of trouble. I just thought she stood out, had a really nice game. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and Renee Davian. Yeah. Like, how do you not talk about her this this <laughs> tournament, right? Like Emrens Mashmeyer stepped in and had a few good games in the uh, the earlier in the preliminary round, but Anne Renee Debian, you know, weathered the storm of of Team USA uh, in the preliminary round and in this in this game at times, um, and just stood on her head. And she was she was her positioning was so good. I felt like she um, they they knew she was weak on the glove side. They were targeting that quite yeah, a bit for sure. Um, but I thought she did a really good job of getting herself into the right position and making those saves she had to. And then, you know, there were a few scrambles in front of the net that made me very nervous. Well, and they started and she, to get a little physical with her, right? Like two consecutive oh, yeah. shifts, Hillary Knight was kind of right on top of her and, and getting tangled up with her and whatever. And she did not back down at all. She stayed aggressive and kept coming out and challenging. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I was really impressed with her play. Um, what do you make of this team or what will you remember about this team? We've talked about it maybe being the best team Canada ever. Uh, but the you know each team kind of has its its legacy or its the things that are different about it. Um, you know when you walk away from this Olympics, what will be kind of the the standout or you know the thing that sticks with you about this team? It's a really good question. Um, to me, I, if, just, I, if I give you a second there, for me, they never looked worried at all. Like ever, they just looked like they were having fun. They didn't look like the stress was getting to them. They look like they all got along, which is an underreported or under, you know, emphasized part of this. You know, it didn't look like we're not in the locker room. We don't know every naturally some people gravitate to other people, but it didn't look like there were clicks like the whole time. They just looked like they were having a blast through this whole thing. And and to me, that's pretty cool. Like to just see them having a great time doing this. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point. And I, the one thing that came to mind for me was, was just how close this team was. So to, to a very similar point, like they seem to like genuinely care about each other. Mm -hmm. And there's a genuine camaraderie there that I I've never seen with any other team. They gelled together just as players really well. Like I think they're all really suited for their roles and, and um, Gina King Kingsbury and Hockey Canada did a really good job of piecing this team together from a on-ice standpoint. But I think they also deserve a lot of credit. You know, their centralization process is one that's talked about a lot for being incredibly grueling. Right. And and really emphasizing the bonding of players. But I think you're also looking at a group like many of these players have played together for a long time, mm -hmm. especially the forward core. The defensive core, we saw a lot in, of new players who weren't in the Olympics before. But that forward core, I think like... Ooh, if I'm remembering correctly, like seven out of nine were returning Olympians or right. something like that. I or seven out of twelve. I can't remember but the exact number. A lot of familiar a names percent, up front. Yeah, a lot of familiar names up front. So they've been playing together for a long time, and I think that that really helps. But yeah, they just seem to like really love each other and like get along. And and you saw it in Marie Philippelant crediting her teammates for her goals, um, <laughs> which I also just think speaks volumes for her. But yeah, that, that'll be what stands out for me is just how well this team got along. And then as ridiculous as it sounds, like I feel like this was the defining moment for Marie-Philippe Poulain in solidifying her as the GOAT. This was this was it. It's, you know, 
I'm not saying the other games didn't matter. Right. But at this point, it's it's not arguable anymore. Right? Like, she is the most... She is the definition of clutch at this point. She is the most reliable player, I think, that has ever put on a Team Canada jersey. And I think she's the best player that has ever been a part of this program. And this game was what... It was kind of the final nail in the coffin on any argument against that for me would be hard to argue with that as we said just with the number and like you said even on that goal of hers it's not just the shot it's the two-way play to get it back and create that opportunity for herself that Mm all-around game right that uh, it's you're right this may be beyond debate at this point um last thing on on this then we talked about this being a, a different approach the last couple of years to a team Canada wanted to get bigger or wanted to get faster, wanted to get more skilled, more talent, these sorts of things. And there were times when you were playing the Americans, you could see that the Americans were having trouble keeping up and they'd almost switched roles, right? The Americans, you know, in large part, were having trouble breaking it out at times. They were playing the more physical four check game. Would this be enough in your opinion? You know, the Americans, as you said, top to bottom are going to face some criticism here. And I would be surprised if it's not a new coaching staff by the time we get to the next Olympic games, but just in general, will they go back, kind of look at what Canada did and reevaluate their program? Maybe they've now switched, you know, it's almost like Canada and the U S have switched roles here a little bit. Will they counter punch here and try and adjust? Or do you believe that, you know, they, they believe in their program and the way they do things and, you know, maybe they'll tinker with some things, but, this won't lead to an overhaul quite like we saw with Canada. It depends. Cause unfortunately a lot of the folks up top with USA hockey are the ones who are facing the most criticism. So like, are they going to admit they were wrong? And based on what I've heard, probably not. Okay. Um, just, you know, egos and such, sure. but they should, they absolutely should. And this mm-hmm. is kind of how it goes in women's hockey. One team becomes dominant for a while. The other team goes, Ooh, better adjust. And then they become dominant for a while. And it's that cycle. Mm-hmm. So if I'm team USA, absolutely. I'm like, again, like they, they faced a huge injury that yeah. set them back at the beginning of the tournament, but that is going to happen. Unfortunately, every now and then injuries do happen and you have to build the depth around your team to make sure that you're not completely sunk by it. Mm-hmm. And not just in the construction of their team, but in, in in the choices they made in terms of playing certain players and not playing other players, a lot of questionable things going on there. And, right. and you know, they've got a lot of really young and promising players in Abby Rock and Abby Murphy in particular, who are going to be the future of this team. They just need to find a way to start adding those younger pieces to, to build that next generation because, uh, you know, Hillary Knight and Kendall Coyne and Brianna Decker, like they are towards the back at some point that era is going to come to an end yeah exactly and and i think canada like this well that's one thing that canada has done really well is set itself up for success we saw sarah affiliate how dominant she was um victoria bach is someone who didn't make the main roster she was on the taxi squad yep but she in the rivalry series and and i trying to remember if she was in the world championships and having a brain fart but in the rivalry series in particular she was really 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 good in playing with marie philip poulin and and she's uh, i believe she comes from boston college and she has the record of um most goals scored in that program okay and marie philip poulin has played in that program so (laughs) um she you know 
I think she's going to be a really prominent uh, member of this team going forward. Kristen Campbell, uh, the third goaltender. Again, we didn't see her play, but I think we will see her down the line. I think Canada set itself up for that next generation to be well equipped when the next Olympics roll around. And, and you know, we've got the world championships and stuff, but uh, America needs to start thinking about that and how they, they build uh, around those players because uh, they're going to have to make some decisions uh, very soon in terms of the next generation. Take us inside at the beginning of the game. Take us inside the Shrides living room. Oh are, are you, is, is Josh allowed in the room? Is there any conversation? Is it just tense silence? Are you throwing things at the door if he tries to, to come in? What, what's happening before we get to the end and before you get comfortable that things are looking okay? I know you were nervous, you said, right up until kind of very late in the game, but, but just take us inside that living room. What's it look like at Shrides house at 11 o'clock on, uh, on Wednesday night? So for this game in particular, Josh was asleep Okay. Um, when the game started. He had a very early morning, so right. he was not able to stay up with me. But I like up until 11.09, <laughs> I am f- trying not to fall asleep. Right. I'm doing everything I can to stay awake. I had an, a snack of ice cream at like 10.30 nice, at night last yeah. night because I'm a damn adult. <laughs> um, and I can do what I want. But I'm, I'm fighting sleep. And then the minute that game starts, I am on edge right. and I'm so nervous and so stressed. And I kind of like, I, I don't know. I, I sit in one position on the couch and if things go well, I stay in that position. But is if there a jersey or is it a straight pajama type no thing? No jersey. No, okay. Because I wore a jersey in 2018. Oh, okay. It did not go well. <laughs> okay. So we did not wear that jersey okay. this year. <laughs> yeah. But I do have a jersey that I will put on, you know, afterwards. Right. I didn't last night because I was too tired. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm in my jammies and like, you know, a comfy sweater. Yeah. Because it's just me and my dogs. Right. But I'm... Like, who also badly want you to just go to bed like yeah so they, they, they don't bed. know why they don't understand that they don't have to be up with me like they can go to bed right. but they were very much like no we're sitting this you know we're yeah. saying through well they're probably worried about you like why are you still yeah. up is, is everything they pick okay up, pick up on vibes too <laughs> yeah, like yeah. If, if you're a sports fan and you have dogs you know they get just as stressed as you because <laughs> yeah. they're like what the hell's going on um but like i said like i i got so excited on that natalie spooner goal right i jumped up off my couch and got myself so riled up that i ended up with a headache so like that gives you a sense of how i respond i also had to be quiet yeah because josh was sleeping and in the preliminary round i woke him up at some point by yelling something at the tv (laughs) and that it started a fight so i had to be very very quiet (laughs) right in, in this one and i was so i'm like whisper screaming if that makes sense sure yeah um, that's, that's pretty much it. All right. Well, you know what? It, it was it, it was kind of cool for those of us who live in the far too online world because um, everyone, it was like all the, because my Twitter feed for the last two weeks has been A, the nonsense going on downtown Ottawa and then B, the Olympics. And it was like at 11 o'clock on Wednesday night, the truckers went home or something <laughs> because ev- my entire feed save for like I don't know, billboard or what like a couple of things that send out auto tweets throughout the night then mm-hmm. that just have no like since the moment we're not in the mood right now everyone was talking about this game and so it's, it's kind of cool to see um they did just before we started here i believe cbc released that on their main network it was 1.32 million people who watched the game i don't believe that accounts for people who like it was on everywhere i don't believe that includes tsn or sportsnet or the live stream so we'll see be surprised if that doesn't get up over a couple of million people and at that time of night it's a big number in canada right at 11 yeah. at 11 o'clock to see that many people all engaged it was pretty cool to just see everyone watching this one thing and and to me this 
this concludes my Olympics. Like, I know there's a couple big curling matches left, but Canada's kind of crapped out there a bit too. There's a couple other things. The men's hockey didn't go that well, but to me, without the NHL, I've barely been interested in that tournament, and Canada and the U.S. are both out anyway. This was it. Like, to, this felt very much like to Canada and maybe to the U.S. as well. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but this felt like the main event of the Olympics. And to me, there won't be any more late nights for the Olympics. I, there's just nothing that compelling to me left anymore. I, this was it. Yeah, I'm, with all due respect to other sports, I'm done. Right. I'm exhausted. Last night was the closing ceremonies. We <laughs> Last saw night was the closing ceremony. <laughs> this is the marquee event for me every year. Right. Like, I, I look forward to this for four years at a time. Um, and I have since 1998 and I will from now until 2026, like that's just how it's always been for me. So, so yeah, this was the marquee event and, and it never disappoints. Like it's never not interesting. So I, I'm, I'm happy it went our way. I'm happy it was entertaining i also wouldn't mind a five nothing win for canada every cruise for a while yeah it'd be so nice um but i'm probably not gonna get it no um and and you know i'd be really interested to see the numbers yeah on all networks and then in the states too yeah because Um, there there seem to be i have quite a few american uh people in my feeds evidently and there were a lot of unhappy american hockey fans yes i was seeing that too and i picked up a bunch of them either through people you're retweeting or just throughout the olympics right specifically reporters who cover women's hockey over the last few months i've been picking up and following and the american ones they were carving usa hockey all the way through like there was a bit of a meltdown happening in real time right there was at one point um, I believe it was late in the second. Maybe you remember, maybe you don't, but the Americans were on the power play and iced it twice. And people were just, you know, you mentioned it. The power play has been a story for a while, but people were livid on my Twitter timeline at how bad the power play had become when you're yeah. down in a gold medal game and you're icing the puck uh, on the power play. Um, there did There did seem to be a pile of engagement on the American side as well. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's kind of how I learned that. Oh, people are not happy with the yes. Team USA because I like I try to be impartial sometimes watching these games, but I can't be. No, like I, I'm just so dialed in on Team Canada that like I if if Team USA is playing poorly, I'm like, yes, this is good. I don't right. go why. No, no, I <laughs> so make no I, I effort at impartiality for, for these things. That's, that's no. Um couple of other news notes came out this week just on the international hockey scene. As we saw uh, a couple of months ago, both the women's under 18 and the male world juniors uh, either postponed, canceled, whatever the terminology they used at the time was. Um, we've seen them rescheduled. We're going to see the women's under 18s in June and we're going to see the world juniors in August. Uh, at first blush, you know, what did you did you make of the, the timelines and the fact that those are going to get played? Well, I'm happy that like one of the biggest changes they made this year was having um, world championships in Olympic years. Um, I'm very happy about that. Um, it was it was always a little frustrating when that wouldn't happen, especially now that we don't have like the CWHL. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's not as many opportunities to watch these women play, watch the the players we're going to see on Team USA and Team Canada and internationally. Um in a, in a league so i was i was really happy that we're going to have world championships i like the august timeline i i actually really liked that and normally they would take place in april which you know the nhl playoffs are going on they would always get the the, the world championships would always get the short end of the stick yeah. broadcasting wise and now they're you know we don't get a lot of hockey in august so now they're front and center and i, and I think that's a great way to market them right there's there's 
there's not a lot of competition at that point. Um, and I think that's really important. And uh, I believe they're going to be in Denmark, if I'm recalling correctly. And, and that's also really big because the, the uh, Danish hockey program, uh, women's hockey program anyway, um, is is needing, I, I think they need more spotlight and attention and funding, obviously, but this, a great way to grow that is to host it there. Sure. Um, so happy about that overall. Very happy that they decided to go to actually have the U18s because it was ridiculous that two years in a row they canceled them without much you know attempt at making it happen when the men's world juniors at least for the beginning went on um and the double ihf gave us that lame duck statement um when you know saying that women's hockey doesn't have the monetary value of the of the men's world juniors when they don't invest nearly the same in in the women's hockey program and the last time we had a world u18 world champs um, it was broadcast on a what looked like a doorbell cam. It really was. So. <laughs> like, it looked like someone's... And, like, the first generation iPhone or something was shooting this. Like, oh, it was awful. Yeah. The, the and, and how do you expect people to tune into that? Right. Right? So, so I'm glad it's happening, and I really hope that we see more uh, of a, a an attempt made to to make this, you know, put effort behind the broadcast, essentially. Like, if you're going to host it, advertise it properly make it watchable and you know the 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 product on the ice will speak for itself and if you want to see the next generation of team usa and team canada then we're going to get to do that but you have to make it so that we can actually see the players yeah (laughs) and that we can watch it and and so i'm hoping that they've learned those lessons they i hope they know the spotlight will be on them and people will be watching and people will be holding them accountable. Well, that's um, one of the things I specifically wanted to ask you about with the women's under 18s, because you mentioned the women's world and the world juniors are both going to be in August. We both know or we know the TSN broadcasts both of those. Historically, TSN doesn't have a deal to broadcast the women's under 18. And that's why you see these horrible web streams or whatever the hell they were trying to do. Um, I wonder if for that event in particular, if they might get a boost here, I know June is still up against, um, you know, what will be late in the Stanley Cup playoffs at this point, the Memorial Cup, other things going on. But TSN doesn't have any of that. Through the summer, TSN is kind of lame, right? The, the Blue Jays are on. Uh, if it's not a CFL night, everything else is happening on Sportsnet. And so I wonder, I'm sure TSN is happy to have both of these other tournaments in terms of the world juniors and the women's worlds going on over the summer so they can have some sort of marquee events but i wonder if they might not take an interest now in the iihf and going in june and saying hey we'd like to actually put this on our network do you think there's a chance that because you know it's it's out of december when tsn is typically busy with other shit anyway if they might take a bigger interest in that now yeah, I mean, again, like the the time to invest in women's sports is now, and I think that most, I would hope that most networks see that. So, I, I, again, knowing that all eyes are kind of going to be on the U eighteen mm-hmm. tournament a little more than in the past because we're we're just waiting to see how the double IHF maybe uh, um, messes up and doesn't support it <laughs> properly. If I'm a network, I want to carry that, right? Right, like, and 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 especially if you can air it at a time where. Like you've That's, got five channels for God's sakes, and it's going to be in the in northern U.S., so it's time zone friendly. Yeah, and and you can find you can f- find a channel to put it on. Yes, um, you know they won't have the the 
if there are playoffs left over at that point, they they, they won't have yeah, the, the NHL playoffs. Sportsnet has everything else, right? Sportsnet has the Memorial exactly. Cup, has the Blue Jays and the Stanley Cup playoffs all going on at that time. TSN will have nothing happening except for the occasional or a couple CFL games per week. This is a perfect yeah. opportunity to grab that. Especially like, you know, CFL will be Friday, Saturday, Sunday yep. or Friday, Saturday, yes. really. Um, so you've got so much time there. I would, I would hope they grab onto that. I think they'd be silly not to, um, again, like the, what else are you going to be airing? Right. Are a lot of darts, a lot of billiards, darts and reruns <laughs> of tin cup. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a terrible movie. Um, I've never even seen it, but all I know is in the summer on TSN, like it's, it, on it's always on. Yeah. It's like the only sports movie they can get the rights to. <laughs> Let me ask you about the World Juniors, because as they've rescheduled that into August, they have said that are wiping the slate clean, right? There was some questions. Would you keep the results from the games that you did play or, you know, just start over clean? And obviously they've decided if we're bringing everybody together, we want to have all the games. Plus, there were teams playing that original one with, you know, guys out of the lineup with COVID, this and that. So it's going to be a full new tournament. And they haven't announced whether or not you would freeze the rosters like every team has to bring the guys that they originally brought or if you could reselect the thing but as far as age goes they have said if you were eligible to play in the one that happened or sort of happened in late December we will allow you even if technically you've aged out to play in the one in August so I wonder if you think guys will like let's use Owen Power as an example he's going to be drafted for or he's uh, already been drafted first overall by Buffalo he wasn't going to play for the Sabres this year, so they sent him to the tournament. But in all likelihood, he's going to play for the Sabres this year. Would you expect that they would want him to go and play in this thing to get up and running and play some high-level hockey before camp? Or more likely, would they say, no, it's time for you to focus on the NHL. We don't want you to go to this thing. And you can look around like Jamie Drysdale is still going to be eligible because he was eligible in January, but he wasn't leaving the Ducks. But would they now say... Why don't you go play in that thing? Like, what? Maybe that'd be good. How do you see this going? Are teams going to love that it's in August? Or are teams going to tell guys, no, we want you focused on NHL camp. Don't be bothering with that. I think in a perfect world, you would love that it's in August because it's essentially a really intense, high, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, everyone's watching training camp, yep. right? Like, it's, it, like you said, it's a way to get some meaningful hockey in before the season starts, get yourself back in game shape it's got to be fun for them to go represent their country that can only stand to serve their development and and playing in that kind of high intensity high stakes hockey is is also great for their development yeah you know all of this with the caveat that you know injuries could happen yep and i think that's that would be the biggest hindrance for a team i think especially like if you're looking at a guy who may or may not play a full season with you are you doing him any sort of service by stopping him from going and and maybe living through one of his goals of representing his country on an international stage. Many of these players will never do that again. Right. Right. They're not going to, Lord knows if the NHL will ever go back to the Olympics, but they may not be good enough to go and represent their country when the Olympics roll around or the world championships, they may never get that opportunity again. And if you're taking that away from them, what does that do to the relationship with right. you, first of all, as an organization? And and second of all, if you're going to you know send them back and forth between the minors all season, 
it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Right? Like they could get injured there too. Sure. So so I, I say like it, you'd be silly not to. I think you'd only stand to harm that relationship and, and I think it'd be a great way to get them some some experience and some reps in before the season starts. This is the only question I would ask about that. And I mean I'm using Jamie Drysdale flippantly. I like he played all year for the Ducks. I'd be surprised if they would like he's an established NHLer now. Like I can't imagine he. But there are guys that, like you said, could have been there and weren't, or might go up and down and aren't aren't guaranteed a spot in the NHL this year. That yeah, maybe this is a really good way to to get them in. My only question is for players who typically love this thing, right? Love it as a tradition. It's the holiday thing. I wonder if it loses something that it's now in August. Are people going to be paying quite as much attention? Does it feel as special? It's lost that kind of holiday thing it, it feels to some or I, I guess I'm floating the possibility that it may feel like just a you know a summer showcase and we do enough of those and I just wonder if in players minds this might lose a little bit of the oh my god I always wanted to play in the world juniors or you know date is irrelevant it's still the event I've always wanted to play in and I want to go do it I, I do wonder about the shine of it a bit yeah I think from a Canadian standpoint that's probably definitely the case but we always forget like no one cares about the royal juniors like we do right (laughs) like it's this weird thing where we we worship at the altar of the world juniors on boxing day but not a lot of other countries do aside from like the families and friends but do we on labor day that'll be the question right like yeah and and that's the other thing like if if it does take place you know depending on i i can't remember i don't know if they've shared the dates but um you know august is a prime vacation time yep I'm sure people will be, if not off, then maybe in a little more of a relaxed mood maybe, at work, yeah, right? Yeah. Late summer, things are kind of slow. I can see the kind of carryover World of World Juniors the, by the fire, like the campfire or something. Yeah. Right, like outside, yep. on the patio, sure. with beer. Like it could that's, be fun. I think it it'll be, be fun for fun us. Than winter. <laughs> I just wonder if, for, yeah, no, for sure. I just wonder if for players who... You know, they ramp up at a certain time, and it's just a thought. I, I don't know, right? Like Canadian hockey players, as you said, it's if you tell them the World Juniors are in August this year, maybe they come running because it's the World Juniors, and I always wanted to do that. I I don't know, I, and I think each team will maybe have their own approach to development. We think it'd be good for you. We don't think it'd be as great for this guy. I, I think it's fascinating though the timing and just to see what that's going to look like. And I'm intrigued by the fact that. You don't have to. It doesn't sound like you have to have the exact same roster as as you did um, back in January. And whether or not that means you might be able to add some guys that you wouldn't have had access to before, or whether you're actually going to end up losing some guys that their NHL teams go, yeah, no, this is not the right time. I think there's going to be some interesting storylines around that part of it. Yeah, you know there's going to be a team that pulls a dick move and doesn't let a guy go for some stupid reason it's true you know that's gonna happen and and we'll all rip them for it and it'll be you know the talk of the town so at least it'll give us something to talk about in august what uh maybe this is a silly question shrides it probably is what's coming up on she's got game this weekend oh well you know we have this uh pretty important game to talk about uh, actually this is a this is a really big week um on she's got game because my co-host robin is now on maternity leave mm. and uh we brought in a uh a temporary co-host while she's away uh, she's my good friend vanessa sanchez um who you may know if you follow me on twitter from watch sports with michaela and vanessa where we share screenshots of our text <laughs> messages where we're just panicking um, i so may have seen one or two of those yeah that. yeah yeah now you get to listen to an audio version of watch sports with michaela and vanessa so this is vanessa's first show 
Oh, uh, we nice. Are, right into the fire. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I told her, I was like, I don't think we'll ever have this much to talk about again. <laughs> right. Um, so we will talk about the game. We're going to be joined by Megan Johnson of TSN to talk about that. And then we're also going to be joined by Julie DeCaro. Of, uh, she, she's a, a sports writer from Chicago. She wrote a book called Sidelined. It's all about... Uh, being a woman in sports media hmm. very very interesting she's an amazing amazing follow if you don't already follow her on twitter and uh, i cannot wait to, to t- talk to her about her book what time's bedtime tonight shrides oh so early <laughs> and i took tomorrow off so i can sleep in i'm gonna catch up on my sleep and i'm gonna be nice and rested he- heading into the family day weekend nice oh i'm too this old for this prestigious holiday that's been around forever and wasn't invented what, like a decade ago by Hallmark? That, that I definitely <laughs> didn't forget about until last week. Right, exactly. Um, this has been fun. It's been a hell of a tournament. I enjoyed watching it, right? And, and it's, you know, it, the, the drag of it is, is that it now kind of falls back into a bit of a lull for a while, right? We do have, uh, you said that we've lost the, the CWHL and, um, you know, I'm sure there's going to be some other events coming up, whether it be the PWHPA or the uh, Premier Hockey Federation uh, other stuff going on, but it's not quite the same, right? And it's it's not really any different than when you watch the NHL at the Olympics or even after the World Juniors, you're like, oh, right, now I'm just back to my NHL team playing the Hurricanes on a random Tuesday, and I just don't care as much. This is sort of the spike in the winter, right? This was the big one, and mm-hmm. I think a bit of a letdown maybe ahead. And it's worth noting that the PWHPA has an event uh, coming up in Ottawa next weekend. Nice, okay. February the 27th, 20th. 26th, 27th, I think. Okay. I don't have a calendar in front of me. So we know where you'll be. I load that. Yeah, 26th, 27th. There's the PWHPA showcase here in Ottawa. So you're going to want to get your tickets to that. Okay. Right on. Perfect timing while you're on a women's hockey high. Right. It's on your mind. Grab a couple tickets. Check it out. Trides, really appreciate this. It's been fun having you back on the show. And and we'll do it again. This isn't goodbye, but this was definitely a a, a good couple of weeks to, to get reacquainted. I cannot wait to catch up on my sleep and come back uh, more rested and probably much more interesting uh, in the near future. (laughs) Well, we appreciate the expertise. We appreciate the time. We appreciate it all. She is on social media at Shrides. I'm taking it because it's fun to say and I don't get to do it as often as I used to at S-C-H-R-E-I-D-S. She's on She's Got Game across the TSN radio network this weekend. The Mouchoir podcast. Uh, all things Ottawa Red Blacks and the CFL. She is everywhere, and uh, we thank you for your time. Thank you. And uh, for Michaela, my name's Matt. We are on Twitter and Instagram, at TallCanAudio. Subscribe wherever you're listening right now. Make sure you're following along, and we'll see you all next time on Tall Can Audio. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun, but now the time has come to go. If this silkong was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Ugh.